Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to dive into the letter that was written from the Apostle Paul to this gentleman, Philemon. It's going to be a pretty exciting time, uh, begging for the not only the life of this Onesimus, but also for the acceptance of this Onesimus, who, as discovering today, is a runaway slave, is coming back to the place that he ran away, not just as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. And so this is a relationship letter that demonstrates that all of us would be found at one time to be separated from God as being slaves to sin. But that as Jesus had come, just as Paul came to Onesimus and brought him the salvation message of the gospel, as Jesus works through us as his ministers of righteousness, not just pastors, by the way, but you too. Everyone who has received this gospel and has turned Lord Jesus Christ to be saved is used of God and his kingdom as, as those who would reach out to the world around them to make that message known so that they could receive, that he could receive, rather, more souls back unto himself that he may be able to save. So it's very important to understand that the, the same relationship that Paul has with Onesimus is the same relationship that Jesus has with you. And it's that relationship where Paul reaches out with the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Onesimus receives this gospel, be, becomes transformed by the renewing of his mind, gets born again, and, and thus begins to grow in the, in the instruction of Onesimus. And he begins to grow in the instruction of the gospel, but there's this overarching issue that is keeping him from being able to rightly serve God, and it's an issue that must be addressed. And there may be similar issues happening in you guys' life this very day. You've wanted to proceed. You've wanted to move forward. You've wanted to do more for God. You know that there is this calling on your heart. You don't exactly know how to answer it. You don't know how maybe to get into it. You're not sure of, of what exactly is going on, but you know that you, you need to be doing more. You It's just this nagging deep, just you know that, that God has something for you to do. Well, that happens to Onesimus, and the issue behind Onesimus is that he's a runaway slave, and so there are a multitude of punishments that could be taking place to a runaway slave. We're going to get into all of that here pretty quick, but first we want to get opened in a word of prayer, asking for God's blessing upon us today, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've been into, no matter how hard the day's been, the work that's being done, uh, maybe you're taking a break just to catch this few minutes of, of this message, whatever. Praise God. We're going to commit this moment to prayer. We're going to ask God's blessing upon us and, and just breathe. Father, we are thankful for your blessing. We're thankful for this time that we have. We can celebrate that word together. We pray that you will bless us with Philemon's life, that you will help us, Lord, as being Onesimus, 
That's our side of this issue, Lord. We can easily see Philemon in you. We can easily see that the destruction that we so rightly deserve as being those runaway slaves, Lord, running away from your righteousness into the corruption of sin, running away from your bounty and blessing into the the satisfaction of the lust of flesh, eyes, and the pride of life. So we realize, Lord, that we are guilty before you as runaway slaves. And we know, Father, that the highest punishment for runaway slaves was death. And that there are a very varying amount of punishments that could be done, beatings that could be received, all, ki- all kinds of things. But that's not the things that you've done to us. Though we deserved it, though we stand guilty and charged as runaways, Lord, you, you forgive. Just as you said, you would hear us, you would forgive us, you would heal us. We pray for this today in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's learn a little bit about who we're talking to and a little bit more about the home that we're dealing with. So in verses 1 through 3 of Philemon, we see Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon and beloved, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Apphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> so we have a family that we're working with. Take a look at these characters as we see this. So Philemon, the beginning person, is a beloved friend and a fellow laborer. We realize Philemon to be uh, a child of God. Uh, a beautiful point is that there is a church that has been built in his house. In other words, Philemon is not someone who is uh, a tenant. Philemon isn't a serf. He he is the owner of the plantation, so to speak. He's the owner of the house. It is a large house and one that is capable of being able to have a congregation meeting with inside it. We understand that the relationship that comes between Paul and, and Philemon would be such as that Paul would have the opportunity as he's going through the, the country of Colossae, uh, the, the book that was written or the letter that's written by Paul to the Colossians, as you see that letter, this, this would be a location where Paul would be going through and working with the church at Colossae, of course, but Philemon being a location that he can that he could have base camp with, and thus starting a church right there inside of, of Philemon's house. And so we find that Apphia, the beloved Apphia, is, is Philemon's wife, and Archippus is Philemon's son. And, and he is referred to here in verse number two as a fellow soldier, uh, not as concerning the Roman army, but as concerning the Jesus army. He is a fellow servant and laborer in, in, in line with Philemon. And so between both Philemon and his son Archippus, they continue 
the work of building up the, the church. A beautiful point to this is found Colossians chapter number four. In Colossians chapter number four, which is a coming to a conclusion of Colossians there in verse number 17, it, it as letters are going out to this church at Colossae, it, Paul has to say this, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. And so we find that this is the point behind the fellow soldier comment that that Paul would make in writing this letter to Philemon is encouraging Archippus in the ministry of the Lord that he has been given that uh, back in these times you would find as say the apostle Paul would come to Colossae to get the church started that they would have done the laying on of hands and of the uh, prayer over over this people for the blessing of God's ministry to be upon them and of course there would be a, a a giving of gifts by the Lord in this in this time that that would be evident and seen through Archippus and Philemon both in and Apphia his wife so this whole family would receive of God's blessings because of their faithfulness and willingness to not only serve the Lord but to have a congregation of the church born within the walls of their house what a blessing that would be and of course he concludes his his message at the beginning here with with a standard sort of greeting as he would say grace to you and peace from our from God our father and the lord jesus christ but another key a point that that Paul makes right at the onset of his letters very important in understanding his message he said Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus now in many of the letters that Paul would write this is a common theme that Paul would speak of right as being a prisoner of Christ Jesus now of course you understand that this wasn't necessarily the cases concerning the means by which Paul is saying this obviously he is not how do I say this he's not a prisoner of Jesus but a brother a a joint heir with Christ just the same as all of us as concerning our relationship with Jesus is being brought unto the father now understanding that indeed we were bond servants and we are bond servants, I should say, just like Jude would reveal or just like James would reveal, as he would say, a bond servant, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we recognize our sin and we realize our need of salvation, we effectively, at the time of our salvation, are confessing our slave well slavery our servitude to sin and to self and so that it can be judged and and it can be uh, slain right then and there and and we are accepting a brand new life we're accepting a brand new way of thinking a brand new everything that's why salvation is recognized in experience as to being born again and in our recognition of Christ and, and of receiving him into our hearts unto salvation, we, we are acknowledging that we have 
effectively bonded ourselves to to a new master. Remember that that Jesus said no man can serve two masters. And the reality behind that is if if you are a servant, and, and in Greek, of course, we break this word down, it just simply means slave, okay? And if you are a servant to to one master, it's impossible for you to be able to be a servant of another master. You you can only be a slave to one master person as they own you. It's not like uh, the situation that we would find in our modern society. For instance, a person can get up and work four hours at Burger King and then uh, start another job two or three hours later to work another four hours at, at Costco. Okay. Now, in both of those particular jobs, you're doing the work of a servant in some form or fashion. You have a customer that's coming in and that customer has needs that they're trying to fulfill. And your purpose is to take care of that customer and the fulfillment of what they're there to, to do, to help them, to serve them. Now, this is the case, but note the fact that you're not working at Burger King and Costco at the same time. It is literally impossible to do that. You you can't serve two masters at the same time. And Jesus is making that point very clear as well. And Paul is making this point. It would be impossible for, for Paul to be able to serve Judaism as as his orthodox Judaistic background as a being a Pharisee and within the rank of the synagogues, it would be impossible for for Paul to to be a Jew and to be a Christian at the same time. It's it it is literally impossible. It's two totally different mindsets. It's two totally different directions to follow. Now. Paul is either going to be an orthodox Jew that that does not that does not follow Christ as Messiah that does not follow Jesus or he's going to be a, a Christian and not to follow after the the patterns and and forms of orthodox Judaism you can't be both now as a Christian Paul is often found going into the synagogues on the Sabbath. But of course, he's not worshiping in the same manner as the people that are gathered together in the synagogues as he is given opportunity to be able to speak as being a high rank and profile Pharisee. Then Paul is preaching the gospel of Jesus in the synagogue. For Paul is a prisoner of of Christ Jesus. And this is something that's so vital for us to understand. It's so vital for us to really take in as believers today because we we really face the James issue. If you recall, we were studying through the book of James in chapter number 1. We find we find often ourselves as being double-minded. It may be in variations or shades, but it's still double-minded. We find ourselves as is wanting to uh be silent with the Lord in the presence of those things we're doing in the world, but then to be very loud for the Lord in the places where we're allowed to be loud in in things like church. <laughs> so it, we're living a double-minded 
mindset and and not being a true prisoner like Paul is saying here I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus in other words I don't have the the right to be able to think the way I want to think I don't have the right to go where I want to go I don't have the right to to be who I want to be cuz I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus now it's not as bad as it sounds <laughs> Uh, if I don't have the right to be who I want to be, then I, I have a very clear-cut standard of who I'm supposed to be in Christ. The very fact that we live in a country that affords us at current moment the ability to be able to go and do whatever we want to do, to be able to go and be whatever we want to be, to be able to go and say mostly whatever we want to say. Of course, we're discovering that there's a whole lot of censorship that's been happening in these modern days against a certain speech, whereas another kind of speech is perfectly welcome to be able to be said anywhere and everywhere as you go. So we, we find that, that things might be changing just a little bit because the more extreme one side becomes, let's say a Democrat and Republican, the more extreme a Democrat side becomes, the more extreme you're going to find the, the Republican side getting. And the more extreme you'll find the Republican side getting, the antithesis of that is going to happen. And these two will become so extreme in their their very direction that there is ultimately in our society that has been amazing for 245 years of existence, there's going to come a day when you are going to find that the the censorship models of the communist nations and the all all of these different things are going to come to pass and and they're going to be poured out upon us and and the beauty of our constitution is going to be completely ignored from one side blaming the other side and from the other side blaming that one side that both sides are going to end up not following the dictates of the freedoms afforded in our Constitution, and they're going to completely ruin it. Doesn't that just sound thrilling? Of course, we understand that these events are some; these events are things that are going to be leading us toward this this collapse of of the world's governments, and ultimately a pleading. Uh, as is revealed in Revelation 6 of, of that white horse rider that, that has a crown that is given unto him, ultimately you're going to have such a collapse of, of societies globally that, that, that people are going to be, that the people, the masses, not, not the government officials who can't see the peoples that they are responsible to, uh, to serve, uh, needless to say, your governments are actually supposed to be serving and taking care of the people, not ruling over a people to be served by them. Remember, of the people, by the people, for the people is the supposed to be, supposed to be the American way. Well, needless to say, it's going to reach a place where the, where the people, the masses, are going to be looking for someone that actually is going to take care of them, and that's going to give rise to the Antichrist, because it won't necessarily be the government officials, but it will be the 
people that look to him and that is going to be the ultimate authority that's going to crown him above all the other governments and they'll either fall in line or they'll get eradicated which by the way we do see an eradication of three kingdoms as recognized as a little horn that rises up in daniel chapter number seven and overthrows three of the ten horns so you're going to understand a little bit more when you come to those kingdom days but it's recognizing this position of being a prisoner of being being the person who's no longer the pharisee being the person who's no longer uh, in the ranks of of leadership within the sanhedrin court even being a person who who has been completely transformed this is the apostle paul He's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He's, he's not even Paul anymore. And of course, we understand that he writes about this as well, as, is that it is not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me that is to do this or that. And so it's very important to realize that position of being a prisoner. And perhaps, just a thought here, but perhaps the struggles you're having with your faith and the challenges that you're going through in, in, in your faith are because you've not surrendered your will to become a prisoner. You see, uh, a dear friend of mine, and he's, he's just battling away, battling away with cancer. His name is Jeff, and I'd ask you to pray for him. Uh, but, you know, Jeff, he... He spent more than 12 years struggling uh, with, with the concept of being, being locked up in prison and that this being a physical prison that he'd be locked up in and, and, and being, being angry and being, wanting to, to be his own self, wanting to do his own thing, wanting to, to be his own person and be able to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And, and, and of course, uh, in, in a physical prison, this is just not going to happen. You're, you're not going to be able to do that. And so, so there is this constant clashing uh, but between the, the guards of this prison and between the, the, the rules and the laws and the, all, all these different things that, that he's having to deal with, having to face uh, in, in this moment. But then there's Christ. And, and Jeff, he, he, he meets Jesus. Now, it isn't that he hasn't known about Jesus. I mean, he grew up with mom and dad uh, that, that loved Jesus, that to this day are, are faithful servants of the church that they're, they're members of. I mean, he, 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 they, he knew all about Jesus. He grew up with the same VBSs that you guys are familiar with, with the same, same Sunday schools, the same songs, the same stories. He, he, I'm sure there was a period of time in, in the 70s and 80s where he had the flanograph, where, where he, he had all of these things. There's no doubt a time in in his life where where he had heard the gospel where he had prayed the prayer where he had where he had gotten a baptism where he'd done all of these things but they were just things just like the apostle paul it was just religion it was just it was just the things that you're supposed to do because that's what's expected of this particular faith that you're a part of but it really it really hasn't sunk in it really hasn't literally made the difference salvation hadn't come yet it just just the dictates of a religion are there and so that that he would meet jesus after 12 years in as being a prisoner 
in in man's ways, right, as being a prisoner locked up because of of crimes that had been committed in, in man's world, but discovering Jesus afresh, discovering Jesus, even behind those bars, brand new. You got a brand new man at this point. You got a brand new life at this point. Even behind those bars, you know, he started sharing his faith. He started encouraging other inmates to come to chapel. He started encouraging the the ministers of the chapels. He started he started writing letters of encouragement to his family and and writing tracts of the Lord Jesus Christ to be shared. He he started he started a prayer life and 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 a fellowship of of inmates that became prisoners. Not of man at this point, but prisoners of Christ Jesus. A, a surrendered life, recognizing that, that the life he was living, he, it wasn't his anymore. Recognizing that, that salvation is an actual death to self so that Christ can become alive in you, living through you. So that it is not your will, it is not your way, it is not your desire anymore, but Christ living in you. And this is the acknowledgement of the prisoner that is the Apostle Paul. And it can be the acknowledgement of the prisoner that, that is each one of you and myself today as we would surrender to our Lord Jesus Christ. And all of this today was so very important because when he begins to speak to Philemon, understand that, that Paul's expectation is that Philemon is not higher than Paul. In this relationship between Philemon and Paul, Paul would actually be the higher and the reason is is that Paul would be recognized as the father figure who had birthed Philemon and Apphia and Archippus, the family. It would be Paul as seen as the father figure over the faith of these as Paul was the one who came into town preaching the gospel that would be received by Philemon and his family. So Paul is is starting off making known that he is a prisoner of Christ Jesus so that Philemon realizes real quick where he is in the grand scheme of things. Because if Paul is a prisoner and Philemon would be seen in, in the spiritual sense as being a son of Paul, what would Philemon be but a fellow prisoner under the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ as his master. And that's very important because when Paul brings up the the point of, of Onesimus as being a, a prisoner, essentially, of Philemon. You see, as Onesimus comes back to Philemon's house in that he ran away from Philemon, it is understood that that. Philemon now has the right of the law on his side to make Onesimus his prisoner. So as understanding this point that Philemon can actually do a lot of harm to Onesimus to include having him killed for running away, 
that, that Paul makes very clear right off, first verse, that as Paul being a prisoner, of Philemon is a prisoner, and so as this Onesimus comes back, that really Philemon and Onesimus are equal. Because as Onesimus comes to faith under the instruction of Paul, as Philemon came to faith under the instruction of Paul, they would be equal at this point as sons of Paul. (laughs) See how that just snared Philemon for a moment? Now, it's very important that it is understood that as Philemon is, is working this, this home, this church, this land that he is an owner of, at his doorstep, he has this runaway slave that is knocking upon his door. As, as he receives the door, he opens the door, there is this runaway slave. Now, I realize that Philemon is actually quite an excellent believer. I realize he's an excellent Christian. I understand that, that his family uh, testifies to this. Archippus, his son, is a powerful minister of the Lord. His wife, very faithful. I, all of that's true. But at this moment, staring in the eyes of this runaway slave who... Uh, one man can make a huge difference in, in the overall efforts and work of, of say, the, the farms and the fields and the homes of, of this time and era. So this one man forcing Archippus and Philemon to have to do extra work and, and of course, any of the other particular servants that they might have having to take up the slack of this one man at, at this moment, seeing this man standing back on the doorstep is, is uh, really working hard to find the Christian inside of him. There's no question that uh, initially you might even find this, this Onesimus being received very drastically uh, by being seized and, and thrown into a, a a cell or a dungeon within the home uh, to be decided upon as to what we're going to do with this guy. Of course, after we get all of the work that we have to do today done, uh, we're going to figure out what we're going to do with this guy. So you might find that that, that even at this point, Onesimus just gets snatched up and, and seized, uh, essentially arrested and awaiting his own trial for what he'd done before this letter that he was carrying would even be read. So it's very important to understand that there is a fine balance right now that that Onesimus is walking and being faithful to what Paul told him to do and going back to correct the the error of of his his choices. He's got to make amends. And one of the things we're going to get out of the letter of Philemon is that we have got to uh, make amends for the things that we've done in our life. As as God makes known the the errors that we have committed in our life, uh, maybe we've upset people. Maybe we have we have lied about people. Maybe we've lied about situations or things. Maybe we've we've said bad things about people to get other people mad at them. Maybe there, there, there's so many different ways that we can. 
we can find specifics of, of the choices made in this life that have been an error that we need to actually go back to the origin of those those choices, maybe of the people that those choices hurt or or the people that we slandered or the people, what, whatever it would be in the relationships that have been broken, that have been torn. We've got to go back to them just like Onesimus has been sent back to Philemon. We've got to go back and we've got to make amends to those things. Now, in this world today, some relationships just aren't going to be able to be mended. It's understood. And, and especially if the people that you're reaching out to are not like Philemon who are saved and, and are serving the Lord and are seeking to build a house of God even within his own house, some people are just going to be lost and they're not going to want to be around you anymore. They don't care and they don't want to hear it. But those same people may at your uh, apologies, at your return to make amends, it may cause them to see the true reality of Christ. So this is one of those great themes is that we as believers must take responsibility for the actions that we have taken. We must be a people within a society that takes no responsibility for its choices and its actions. And in fact, when it gets in trouble, blames everybody else for what happened, what is happening to it. In society, we as believers must take that personal responsibility. We must take corrective measure and action to the things we know we've done that have not been according to the plan of God. We must. And that's what this letter is about as well. It's a whole lot of background to get us going in this letter, but as necessary for us to receive. Now, we learn a little bit about the character of Philemon here from verses 4 to 7. As the scripture says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Very important points that Paul is making. By the way, verses 4 through 7 are a setup. There's <laughs> just no other way about it. Paul is, is, a, he is an amazing craft. Of, of words. He, Paul knows exactly what he's doing uh, in, in, in every letter that he wrote, and it's important for us to be able to dig through the, the words of Paul to be able to see the way in which he's, he's already snared the heart of Philemon before he even begins to speak his plea on behalf of Onesimus, which happens in verse 8. So first, Paul starts off by telling him he's praying for him. And amen, that is the case for all of us today. Uh, every name I see that pops up on the preacher's corner, especially those of you guys like Miss Margie, who's, who's leaving comments down there, and Miss Carol Brown, always faithful to drop those comments, and Suzanne Connors, God bless you, girl. I mean, all of these young ladies that I know, and, and, and Jeff and Brenda, they, they're popping on here, and all of these different folks so so as i see every day i'm keeping you guys in my prayers and then i go back and i look at the 
the folks that just threw a thumbs up and and uh, Elise uh, leaves me a bunch of little hearts. That's my granddaughter there in Virginia and and Kaylindra that you know and, and I look through all of these different names as I see you and I, and I'm praying for you just like is said in in verse number four or thanking God that you guys tune in praying to God that more people would catch on uh, making mention of you always in my prayers that's the truth but it this is also a position where Philemon gets to feel a little bit special too it's nice when when you you meet with someone that you trust that you know is a prayer warrior that you know is a servant of God there's a whole lot of people that come into your life that tell you that they're praying for you and and oftentimes it's like oh okay whatever but there are some people in your life where you know, I mean, you've been around them. You've prayed with them. You, you know the presence of the Lord when they dive into those times of prayer. And, and so it really is a blessing that you feel special. If this person's praying for me, well, Paul is throwing that in there right off. He says, not only are you my children... Well, the whole family, the Archippus, Apphia, and Philemon. Not only are you my children, but I'm thinking of you all the time. I thank my God making mention of you in my prayers, always. <laughs> oh, man, hearing of your love, lifting them up. What is he saying? That Philemon is in, in his whole family. They're a family that loves the Lord. They're a family that is steadfast in their faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only are they, they lovers of Christ, but they're also, they, they love the saints. They love the church that's building within their home, the fellowship of the saints that gather in their home. That's why they open their home to the church. And Paul is pulling that out. And it's important because he says, toward all the saints. Remember, in verse number 8, he's going to reintroduce Onesimus to Philemon, not as his slave, but as one of the saints, as one of those that are called holy by the Lord. So, technically speaking, as concerning the faith, Philemon doesn't even have the right to do anything against Onesimus because Onesimus has been called holy remember that word saints is a word that is recognized as meaning holy and and so we find that that he's he's setting him up because he said all the saints not just some of them all the saints and by the way onesimus is going to be one of those so you're going to have to show him some love give him some faith and pray for him that's what verse number four and five is going to show the responsibility to Philemon. Verse number six, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement. Here you go. This is the means by which we share our faith, is that we would acknowledge every good thing that would be in us being in Christ Jesus. Now, this is great because this is a simple pattern of being able to share our faith with everyone around us every day. It's because every good thing that, that we know is in us. People say, man, you sure are a really nice guy. Great, I can use that to tell you about Jesus. Why? Because I'm not nice at, at, in myself. I'm not a kind person by nature. But Jesus, through the Holy Spirit and one of his fruits, brings out that kindness in me. Well, you're, you're a rather gentle 
person taking care of the elderly. Hey, great, I can share Jesus with that because one of the fruits of the Spirit is gentleness. I can explain why, uh, because outside of Christ, I would be more apt to fight you than to help you. So we find that, that all the great things that would now be acknowledged in us, being being born of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that seals us, that, that literally bears witness with us that we belong to God. The blessing of this Christ living in us is demonstrated. And so this is what Paul is bringing out in verse number six, that sharing of their faith, that opening of their home to the saints, regardless if they're rich or poor, that that service to the people that gather together in their home as the church of worship, that every good thing. And Paul then comes down to verse number seven. He says, for we have great joy and consolation in your love. We, as being, remember Timothy up at the top. Remember Timothy is, is Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. So Timothy, as in the book, or the letter that was written first and second Timothy to this Timotheus. So we find that the we uh, being in this position of verse number seven is the connection of Paul and Timothy coming to Philemon by way of this letter. He said, for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you. By the way, the hearts of the saints... The hearts of the ones called holy. Well, guess what Onesimus is? Onesimus is one that is now called holy. So guess what Philemon's job is? To refresh him. <laughs> and then, of course, Paul finishes off this buttering up section with brother. Now, Paul could easily pull a little bit of rank here and say, I led you to Christ. I am your father in the faith, so to speak. Um, you, you really, as, as I am your master and you are my disciple, you're going to do this. Remember, it's not about you anymore. It's about the one who's leading you and what that desire is. Ultimately, it is Jesus leading you, but if you're not going to live a life that is exemplary of Christ, then that master which Jesus has given you on this earth, known as the, the, the apostle, is going to jerk you back into place. And thus, we find this, this position of of Paul in writing this letter to Onesimus, who may at a moment's notice feel himself to be above, or this letter was written to Philemon, not Onesimus, but Philemon may find himself above Onesimus at this point, but he will soon get knocked a few notches down from verse 1 to verse number 7. And thus we will begin on Thursday the plea for Paul to one over Onesimus. And uh, tomorrow, of course, we have our Wisdom Wednesday. We're going to get right back into uh, Proverbs, and we're going to be just feasting upon the riches that we, we get from that book. It's so fantastic. Love, love, love what we're receiving from the Proverbs. Tell everybody. Tune in. If you're not going to tune in any other day of the week, tune in on Wednesday for that wisdom that is received from the Proverbs, and it'll be well with our soul, won't it? 
Father, we thank you for the the gift of this letter to Philemon is recognizing already just in these seven verses that there is a great responsibility to to us as believers to serve you. Father, that, that we would acknowledge our same position before you as Paul did, being your prisoner. Lord, that we would accept the, the reality that, that we all in times past were, were rebels to you. We were children of disobedience as revealed by the letter to the Ephesian church at verse number 2. But that we acknowledge God in the richness of his mercy and love had brought us together to himself once more through the gift of his son Jesus that we honor that gift. We honor the giver. With, with our lives in service to the King. We pray that you will bless this time we've had together, that you will cause us to think about many great things, and that we may be a people rejoicing in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right, guys, God bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and I'll catch you tomorrow for Wisdom Wednesday. Y'all take care now.